Did you see that Texas-Oklahoma game yesterday? Who cares? A&M beat Alabama. That's what matters. Hey, I tell you what, we're not going to hear around here this week. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. We're all going to hear a lot of Giga Maggies. I'm going to make sure Ronnie West thinks about A&M every single day this week. And then we'll probably more than likely get back to normal. <laughs> I got to tell you all the worst story. So I'm a, I'm a early, to, early to bed, early to rise. Anybody, that's your life? Yeah, I mean, I, I get up at 4.50 every morning. And so, I, you know, by 10, I'm done. If you see somebody that looks like me at 11, you've seen somebody that looks like me. I just don't, I don't do that. I don't say it for football games. Much I love football, I'll watch it from 12 to 10, but then I'm done. And, uh, but last night, after that first half... I said, I'm, I'm going to stay up. I'm going to pay for it dearly tomorrow, but I'm, I'm going to stay up. And uh, when there was five minutes to go to left in the fourth quarter, and A&M had just given up the lead, I was so spitting mad. I thought, I, I'm going to be exhausted tomorrow only to watch my Aggies lose again to Alabama. I, and, and so, you know, I, I, I did what I needed to do. I, I went to bed. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. I I went to bed. Now, keep in mind the information I was working with. From the start of the second half, two five minutes left to go in the game, A&M had run 11 plays from offense. They were pathetic the second half offensively. And so I thought, I mean, clearly they're not going to tie the game or go ahead. They can't can't move the ball. So I'm, I'm going to bed. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I turned on my phone this morning and it, it blew up. I didn't even have to, I, I saw that, I thought, oh my gosh, Lord, what? But praise the Lord! <laughs> we'll, we'll get through it. We're going to, like I said, Ronnie's going to, is going to have a fun week. I'm going to do what I can every day this week to let him know. Roll Tide! We're, we're going to do that. And like I said, we'll get back to normal because that's what we're good at, isn't it? Getting back to normal. That actually has something to do with my message today. Getting back to normal. You know, it it is amazing what we can go through and get back to normal. I I, I mean, it's like we have one great goal in life to get back to normal. And we can go through these great big things that are good or these great big things that are bad. And boy, as fast as we can, how, how do we just get back to normal? You know, but every now and then something comes along and we start having that thought, hey, things are never going to be the same. Didn't we feel that way just a little bit with 9-11? I mean, we weren't just scared about what had happened, but in those days and weeks that followed, we were thinking, boy, this will change some things. Things won't be the same. And in some of that, we were probably even hoping for good, but we, we got back to normal. We, we got back to normal probably in not such a good way. I think probably right now the season that we're in has us thinking, boy, things will never be the same. It's too early, historically speaking, to know how the last year and a half or so is going to impact us long, long term. But it feels like, right? It feels like some things will never be the same. I mean, whether we're talking about movie theaters and retail or politics and medicine, it has the feel but that we're not going back we're not going back to the, to the norm. You know, whether we do or not, whether it feels like it or not, I imagine we can all agree 
It, we're in a unique place in American history. There's not a lot of... Oh, there's been some great events, great horrible, great bad, but this is, this is different in a, lot of, in a lot of ways. And, you know, when I'm thinking about where we are and what's happening, it makes me, it makes our staff think about our vision. What is the vision of our church? Now, I would hope that a lot of you are somewhat familiar with our vision. We say it is often as we can, but uh, just to remind you, our vision is that the Heights Baptist in the next 10 years will be a church that the 804 cannot imagine being without by expanding to five campuses, by extending the reach of Love 804, so that, now those two words are important, it means that everything I just said is for the purpose of what follows. All that's going on before that is so that... We have our greatest opportunity. We have our greatest platform still out in front of us. It's it's not something of the past. It's still out in front of us to be able to share God's word. And sharing God's word could be what a preacher is doing from the pulpit as we open the Bible. It can be what is going on in small group Bible studies. It can be, as we've talked so much in the last month, what you and I do one-on-one to share the gospel. So that's our vision. You know, when I throw that word out, vision, people confuse vision and mission, not just in church. I see it in the business world, in the secular world. We, they're two different words. We tend to use them interchangeably. We, we tend to treat them as if they're the same, but they're, they're two very different things. Mission is what you're about, always. It, it's always what you're about. It doesn't change. Sometimes we word it a little bit differently. Like, look, look at our mission. Our mission is building relationships that connect all people, all the people of the world, all the kinds of the people of the world, building relationships that connect all people to a God-sized life and love. Now, if you start parsing through all that kind of colloquial, very current, modern language, what you have there is evangelism and discipleship. Because that's the mission of the church. Jesus gave us that mission and it doesn't change. That's what we're going to be about in 2022 and that's what we're going to be about in 2072. Probably the next time A&M beats Alabama. Okay, so that's what we're about and it doesn't change. So here's the difference between mission and vision. The mission never changes. Vision is how we're going to do the mission very contextually. It's very much based on what's going on right now. You can have a vision that's a year long, 10 years long, five years long. It's how we're going to do the mission in today's context, in our current situation. You're weighing what's going on inside. You're weighing what's going on outside. What are our abilities? What are our gifts? What are our values? How are we going to do that right now? And so the, the mission doesn't change. The vision does. And right now, I mean, we've got you, that one I just said, in the next 10 years. That means somewhere around the 10-year mark, we'd be doing a big evaluation to see, do we keep this or, or do we start moving in a little bit different way? You know, that we, we, when it says in the next 10 years, it always kind of leaves you wondering, how far along are we for? I'm glad you asked. We're four years into the next 10 years. Boy, think about what's gone on in the last four years. Not just COVID. Think of what is going on in the last four years. Is it just me or are we on another planet? 
Are, are we in, this is four years a whole nother lifetime ago? And as I look at where we've been, what we're going through, what's changing around us, at least it led me, I think our pastoral staff, to kind of evaluating, do we need to tweak? Do we need to look at our vision in light of all that has changed since, since it was put in place? Now, the driver of that vision, the purpose is to be able to share God's Word, but the, the driver of it, and this was very external. It was very much based on what's going on out there. And the, and the driver of that was we live in a culture, we live in a world that at best is apathetic to our existence. At worst, they're antagonistic to our existence. Y'all have heard me say that, right? I've said that a lot of times. And, and, and so we thought, you know, we, we can do what a lot of churches do. Let's come in here and cry and talk about how bad it is out there in the world. And boy, if they knew what was good for them, they'd come in here and find it. But we thought, hey, you know, instead of just complaining, what if we go out there and actually earn the right to share God's word? Let's not act like they owe it to us. Let's let's not act like they owe it to be in here with us. What if we were such a force for good that that won the opportunity to share God's word? What if we were such a force for good that despite everything they've heard about us and learned about us and how bad the church is, they said, but what would our community be? without the Heights Baptist. And so that was kind of the driver of that vision. And that all is still very much, I think, true. Everything going on out there, and I think a a driver for us. But what I would now couple with that, that's a our vision had a very external focus and will continue, but that is coupled with a burden that I think is more internal. A burden on this pastor. I hope sometimes, we've talked about this recently. Man, I hope sometimes you think about standing before God. Right? I think about standing before God. I think about standing before God as the pastor of this church. What what I led us to do. What my personality is. Because that can become a personality of a church. What I ignore. Because that's what a church can start to ignore. And I tell you, a a, a burden on my heart, a burden on the heart of our our whole pastoral staff is, are we actually training and equipping and preparing people to stand for Christ in a culture that is rapidly, radically moving away from Christ in cultural thought, in governing law, in business practices set by the corporate world, are we really? I mean, I know we gather and we have a big service and we love the heights, but are we actually training anybody? Are we actually preparing, not a few, but the whole, to believe and to live and to share the gospel in, in that world out there? Now, if you're, if you're new to our church or maybe hadn't been here in a little while, I don't want to say you're at a disadvantage today. I, I hope, I believe the message will stand on its own and communicate from God's Word on its own. But I would also say that, that what I'm talking about today has a backdrop. And it's what we've done the last four out of five Sundays in, in placing the gospel front and center, reminding ourselves where God put this in our lives and, and what it is to mean to our lives. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things we need to, need to do to deal with the world that we live in. A lot of things we need to do, can do, should do. And God always equips. 
Whatever we need, whatever we need to be about out there, God's going to provide for us. He's always provided for the little C, the local church, and the capital C, the, the church around America, the church around the world. Boy, I can think, boy, Lord, you know, when I think of the way philosophy and the mindset is drive, boy, Lord, we need some intellectuals. God provides intellectuals. Christian intellectuals to shape Christian thought. God provides politicians to shape governing laws. God, God provides revolutionaries. Because some of us, we got a little fight in our spirit, don't we? Man, we, I, I want to march. When, when are we going to the Capitol? Hey, when are we going to do this? Man, you're, you're, that's just your spirit, man. You want to get up into the issue and bring about change. And we need that. But the very nature of each of those things is they tend to be managed and handled by a pretty small group of people. It's, it's a small group that is going to do that. And while they're doing that, God has called the whole church, every single one of us, to carry the gospel. Now, folks, here's a, here's a, a, a way I'm afraid we hear that. What we hear is, okay, so God's got a few, few people that are really important to this. And he's putting the intellectual, he's putting the politician, he's putting the revolutionary. Boy, he's putting them out there on the front lines. Boy, we're going to change this thing. And the rest of you, you know, keep busy. You know, talk among yourselves. Or you know what? Go out and tell people about Jesus. Yeah, yeah, y'all, we can all be a part. You know, that's exactly the way... The church thinks. And the last 50 years of America is an incredible proof of what a disaster it is when the church waits and watches for a few people to go fix it. Listen, if the Christian, if we're not out sharing the gospel, then the Christian intellectual, the, the Christian politician, the, the Christian revolutionary, what they do will come to nothing. What they do will alter. They can bring about change. But if they do it without you and I sharing the gospel, then the heart of a person and the heart of a culture has not been changed. It's the gospel that is the front line. It's the whole of the church that is on the front line. Let, let's remind ourselves, and again, we've looked at this a lot the last four or five weeks, but just one simple, there's a multitude, but here's just one simple verse. Go into all the world. Well, we talked about that last week. Why does God say world? Why didn't he say what he means? You know, go to your friends, go to your family, go to coworkers, go to classmates. Why does he say world and peoples and nations so that you don't ever think you're done? If he said, go to my friends, I'd say, I've been to them all, Lord. Then go to the whole world. That, that is a very meaningful word choice of our God. Go into all the world. It also speaks, because that's what the next word does, proclaim the gospel. There's two ideas there, folks, that say it's what we speak and too, too much of the church thinks, you know, I'm going to share the gospel by being a good neighbor. I'm going to share the gospel by living a good life and, and living like Jesus. Well, of course. Of course we're going to do that. But that won't lead them to Christ. And that's not what that says. 
If I could lead people to Christ just by them watching what a wonderful person I am, then I'm not going into all the world because, folks, all the world's not watching me. How many people do you think are looking at your life that closely? You know, not many people that care that much. You just limited the the mission God sent you and I on to, what, 10, 12, 15 people that are actually watching and observing your life like that? I'm going to be doing something that the whole world can see because they hear. Proclaim the gospel, speak the gospel, declare the gospel. Paul says in Romans 15, how will they be saved unless they hear? And how will they hear unless you tell? We've got to speak the gospel. That mission shapes everything about what we believe. And when I say believe, don't just think, you know, our religious beliefs. No, what you believe about life, what you believe are the problems out in the world today, what you believe are the opportunities, what you believe and think about everything. The gospel shapes how we think and process life, how we live life, and what we share in life. I shared a lot of verses the last couple of weeks, but I didn't share them all. I think I said that almost every Sunday. Look, here's one verse that encapsulates all of the believing, living, and sharing in one verse. Philippians 1.27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. That's a living, isn't it? I, I am to live in a way that is worthy of the gospel. Now, that's not saying, hey, I've received the gospel. Whew, boy, now I need to pay it back. Boy, now I need to live in a way that earns what's been given to me. That's not what that is saying. What it is saying is that you and I have been given of something, been given something of such a, an infinite and eternal value that my life and the way I live should show the value of what I've received. Does that make sense? I'm not paying God back for something. The good news is it's a free gift. And I should live like I've received this treasure. I should live like I've received this relationship. I should live. My life should value that. So that's, that's the living, being worthy of the gospel of Christ. Standing firm in one spirit with one mind. We said, boy, our unity is the gospel. Our, our unity is not how we handle a disease. Our unity is not how we handle a governmental issue or problem. Did I say the disease and the problems aren't important? No, I did not. Did I say we're to do nothing about disease and government? No, I did not. What I said is that's not our unity. That's not what makes us one. What makes us one is the gospel of Christ. Don't you love that phrase there? Striving side by side. What do we leave the church? What do we leave the gathering and go out into the world side by side to do the gospel? And there's the believing. One mind striving for the faith of the gospel. That's our thinking. That's our faith. That's our beliefs. And not frightened. Now we're back to both sharing and living. Why don't we share the gospel? You know, last week I said there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons we utter. There's one reason we don't share the gospel, because we're afraid. I'm going to let that soak in for a moment. I know you tell yourself there's all kinds of reasons I don't need to do that, or here's all the ways I do it without the words of the gospel ever coming out of my mouth. The bottom line is we're afraid. And Paul says, don't be afraid. 
Don't be, matter of fact, not just with anybody you're sharing with, with the actual enemy, with the opponents, those who are actually fighting you at sharing the gospel. Don't be afraid. Well, Paul, who are you to tell me not to be afraid? You don't know what it's like living in our world. You don't know who I'm dealing with or what I'm dealing with. And you know that would be true. Paul doesn't know what you're dealing with and Paul doesn't live in your world. But he did write that line with chains. He did write that line chained to a Roman guard. He did write that line knowing more than likely, and in fact it did happen, he would be beheaded for his devotion and commitment to the gospel. So I think Paul probably can climb up in our grill and say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Share the gospel. So when I look at what's kind of been going on historically in our world... When I look at what the, God, what the Bible, what God has placed in us front and center, I think we need to place it where God placed it, front and center. We need to be, whatever else we're fighting, whatever else we're building, whatever else we're trying to deal with, in all things, it's proclaiming the gospel. Well, did, did, did God understand what we'd be dealing with when he said that? Because that doesn't seem like much of an answer. He did. He knows what's going on. You you mean God knew there'd be a communism and a socialism and a a democracy. He did, and he said, proclaim the gospel. What, What did he know there'd be wars? He did, and he said, proclaim the gospel. Well, did he, did he know there'd be a, a, a Nero and, and a Hitler and a Stalin and a Hussein? He did. He not only knew there'd be those guys, he knew there'd be a lot of others that would do awful things to millions of people. And he said, proclaim the gospel. Did he know there'd be a bubonic plague and a COVID-19? He did. And he said, proclaim the gospel. You know, he didn't tell you to do anything else. In every situation, proclaim the gospel. Did God know there'd be a a 1776 America and a 2021 America? He did. He said, proclaim the gospel. In all things, in all situations, with all people, proclaim the gospel. As I look at what's going on in our world, I think that needs to be front and center. Now, I said a moment ago, our current vision certainly implies that. When it, when it says share the word, it implies, this isn't the first time the Heights has thought about the gospel, sharing the gospel. It's, it certainly implies that. I just think in the culture we are now with what's going on and knowing historically, this is not a judgment or, or an opinion, it's a factual statistical statement, knowing that we as individual believers and we as the church throughout America can so easily be pulled off center. It helps us to go run after another good thing or another important thing because then I can tell myself it's okay not to share the gospel. Since we can be pulled off the main thing so easily then the main thing needs to be, well, it needs to be the main thing. So with that in mind, we've done some tweaking. I think you'll see much of the vision. The heart of the vision is still there from our old one. This is not a redo. This is not another vision. It is a tweaking of our current vision. Look up here. In the next three years, there's a sense of urgency there. And by the way, notice the word three. And if you scan, you'll see 500, and then you'll see 30. A good vision statement is very measurable. 
you know whether you're doing it or not. It's not just something to put on the wall and, and feel warm fuzzies about and be motivated by. It is a way of doing business. And one year from now, October of 2022, you should be able to come and say, where are we? I know we're one year into the three. Where are we in the 500? Where are we in the 30? We need to be able to measure a vision and see where we are. In three years, we will be a church. Our communities cannot imagine being without by training 500 people to live and share the gospel and planning our presence in 30 new locations through campuses, ongoing Bible studies, and ministry. Now, there's a whole lot there. I mean, what is that, four lines? Uh, you could look at some of the words. You could break down some of the phrases. And there's five or six weeks of preaching right there. Let me see if I can take about five minutes to just develop that a little bit more and unwrap it. So in three years, there's, there's very much a sense of urgency in what's going on. What's going on in church, what's going on in our, in our world, it's just changing so fast. So we got to think with a little bit more speed. We will be a church our communities cannot imagine being without. That's still a driver. They're still antagonistic or apathetic about our existence. We still want to be a force for good, earning the right to be heard, winning the right to be heard. Now you'll see a little bit of change. We took out... In, instead of saying in the 804, we said our communities, and by Love 804, we've got ministries. Love 804 is still a word we're going to use. That's a, that's a great identifier of that ministry, and it's just done phenomenal. So we're not changing the name of that word. What we are doing with the whole 804 thing, this was true four years ago, but it's just changing so much now. You know, area codes are becoming somewhat irrelevant. Uh, I, I mean, we're getting rid of landlines. We get, we get a cell phone and whatever that area code is, we keep it for life. I called six people yesterday new to our church. Four of them had an area code that was not 804. It's just not the identifier that, that it was. I mean, used to be we used area codes a lot. You know, the 757, they know that area code in the NFL, you see, area codes will stand out every now and then like that. And that's why we used it that way. But it's just, it's losing its meaning. And we don't remember phone numbers anymore. We just plug them into our phone and never know it again. Right? So that's, that's, what, that's all that was really driving that. We just made it a little bit more personal using the word communities. And then you see the 30 new locations. That doesn't count anything we are currently doing. It's saying going forward on top of that. Now, again, we're still doing Love 804. That's in that word ministries. We've got Bible studies. We're not moving away from campuses. What we are saying here is we're trying to build as many places that are small. And the idea here is I would say if, but I actually think biblically speaking, the word is when. When we get shut down again. As big as this place is, we're thinking about all of the ways and places we can be small. All of the ways and places we continue to communicate God's word and that we continue to go into our culture and do work and ministry for the gospel. So we're, we're very much thinking about here of not just being solely dependent on, on gathering as a large group, but what are all of the places that we can be throughout our communities and keep right on going no matter, no matter what is happening. So a lot of that just tweaking what is going on and, and what's happening, but the big one right front and center is 
training 500 people to live and share the gospel. Now, you might wonder, why only 500? Don't, don't we have like two or 3,000 that come here regularly or, or watch online? Do you not care about? No, I, I want to see the whole church. But 500 is actually walking through a program. You say, what's the program? We're working on that. We're making some of this up as we go. What, what is it that enables, that encourages, that gives a sense of confidence to go out there into the world and do what very few of us have been doing at all? And we're thinking through that. How, how can I, how can we say, God, we, we gathered a church and we did what you told us to do? Hey, are, is there anything else to do? Yep, there is. There's other good things. There's other important things. They're in addition to. They're not in replacement of. So the key is to place the word gospel front and center so that every time we see our vision, like I said, those numbers are there to help us measure. Every time we see that word gospel, are we doing what God put the church, what God put you, the individual believer, here to do? This all started back in September with Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why would Paul tell us, need to tell us not to be ashamed? Because we're so fearful. And we let our fear and we let the approval of others be ten times the size in our heart that the gospel is. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is what? It is God's power. It is the power of God for salvation. Salvation, rescuing. Spiritual rescuing, physical rescuing, emotional, mental rescuing. The gospel is what rescues a person, a home, a culture, a nation, a world. That's the message that God's put in your mouth and in my mouth. That's the mission he's put into our hands. And when we do that, we're going to fulfill the mission. We're going to be building relationships with all people, all kinds of people for a God-sized life and love. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I, I just continue to pray for myself, for each of us, for us as a whole, that there is no greater burden. God, we're burdened by a lot of things right now. We're burdened by things going on in the medical world. We're burdened by things going on in the government. We're burdened by cultural thought and and what now is the way of doing life. Lord, may there be no greater burden in our heart and life than the gospel of Jesus Christ. May there be no greater burden than how we carry that good news and everywhere we can carry that good news. Lord, I pray the Heights Baptist, and I pray we all understand the building will do nothing. When I say, when we say the Heights Baptist, it's each person sitting in here, each one watching online right now. God, may the Heights Baptist be exactly what you want us to be in putting us here. May we do exactly what you want us to do for the reason that you put us here. God, I pray the gospel of Jesus Christ would flourish in our mouth and in our hands. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.